So there we are. Hello out there by radio land. Um, the turn in your Bibles, if you will, and get those. You can remain seated there. But let's go to Mark chapter 1. And uh, I hope you appreciate what's happened musically this morning. Like I said, I appreciate Miss Lauren coming up with that. And uh, had the little, right at the beginning, uh, you know, just a little stutter step there. But that's you have someone who's leading singing, who's never led singing with the person that's accompanying piano, and you've never coordinated the, uh, the guitar, the piano, and all that together. That was really, really turned out well. I liked it and picked up speed once it got rolling and uh, just really good. But you'll notice I hung back from the beginning and uh, did not uh, try to help. Um, because I could be very detrimental at that point without meaning to. Mark chapter 1, it's okay if you will. Mark chapter 1. Jesus, uh, again in verse 17, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they followed, or excuse me, they forsook their nets and followed him. (laughs) Try to keep that straight. And when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants, and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught. Verse 22 is, is our text. Look at it. <clears throat> and they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. And of course, after this, casting out an unclean spirit and that sort of thing. But I want you to notice uh, verse 22. They taught, uh, they, he taught them as one that had authority, not as the scribes. And I want to speak to you on the subject of copy or original. Copy or original. And uh, let me pray with you this morning. Father, thank you for your people. I pray you'll bless and help us. Lord, as we've gathered in this place, we ask your hand to be upon it. May we be yielded to you so that you'd be pleased to work among us, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Grab water here. uh, Jesus spoke in the synagogue, and there was something different about the way he spoke. It wasn't because of volume of voice. Um, it wasn't because of anything of, uh, had to do with uh, uh, the, the art of speaking. There was authority that came with it. They were used to having scribes read to them, teach them. I'm not saying all well, the scribes were bad people, and the Bible doesn't say that. But basically, you have to understand what a scribe is. A scribe is somebody who writes for a living. They, uh, uh, they would inscribe them. We talk about something being inscribed. That's something that's written on, an inscription. It's something that's written. And a scribe, what they would do, their life was spent copying things. You didn't have any form of mechanical copying going on. And uh, the scribes, they spent their life copying down things. These scribes, in particular, probably spent most, if not all, of their life copying the Scripture. They would take the Old Testament and they would copy it. And very painstakingly, very, uh, very carefully, they would make sure that they were, they were copying, they were keeping straight. Uh, what was going on with the scripture and transmitting it down from generation to generation. Um, they were copyists. Their job was honorable. Uh, what they were doing was good. But when Jesus stood up to speak, there was something different about it. It wasn't just they were reading something. He wasn't just reading something someone else had put together. He was speaking with authority. Now look at the word authority. Look out there if you will for a second. And look at the word authority and see what the root word is. It's very obvious. What is the, what is the root word in the word authority? That's exactly right. It's the author. 
And the question this morning is copy or original? When I was assistant pastor over in Camden, over there in southwest Ohio, one of our church members, uh, by, the, by the name of Jim, one of our church members gave my wife and I a painting and, uh, by an artist by the name of Steve White. A painting is a winter setting. Um, Luke's seen it many times in our home. It's a winter setting with a fur-capped hunter, a musket in his hand, uh, woodland setting, snow coming down, and it's entitled The Wilderness Way. One presumes the hunter-slash-explorer is Daniel Boone. That would make sense with that title. The painting is signed by the artist Steve White. Um, it, it looks like something you wouldn't pick up cheaply. It isn't a $5, $10 type painting. Um, but there is something on that that would keep anybody from actively seeking that painting. It wouldn't be something we could put out there and somebody says, oh, I want to get that, unless it just happened the way it looked. And what that is, what keeps it from being as valuable as it possibly could be, is the fact there's a little brass plaque on the bottom of that thing. And here's what the brass plaque says. It reads this. 69 slash 500 by Steve White. What that means is our painting that hangs in the hallway in our house is a copy. It's a print. It's not the original. There were 500 prints made of that particular painting. We have the 69th of those 500. I assume the lower the, lower the number, the more value there would be with it. But there's a world of difference between the original and uh, having a copy. Uh, just uh, as far as far as the value and, and its uh, collectability and all that sort of thing, um, Steve uh, Steve uh, White at some point that painting came from his hand. He decided to paint it. He he began to paint it, and you had the original thing that bore the brush strokes and 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 and, and, and showed his work, and and he he put it together that actually came directly from him. Um, but then copies are made of it. Now, the copies may look the same, but they're not valued the same because it didn't come directly from, in this case, the artist, if you will, uh, with that. Question I have for you today. Is your faith, is what you believe, is it a copy or is it an original? I'm preaching what you're talking about. Well, I'll tell you here in just a moment. But Steve White was the one who actually created that painting. He's the author of it, if you will. He's an artist. Um, if our faith is going to be valuable, then every one of us has to have faith, has to have a belief that is authored by Jesus Christ. Brother Darren just sang that song, Back to Bethel. It's a song that came to my mind there as, we're, as the service is going on. It's a song that points us back to going back to the roots and the beginning of what is right and what is true. And saying, going back, what was that reference to in that song, Back to Bethel? It's, it was a reference going back to that place where you met God. Going back to that place where you first came to know that there was, there was a living God and that He's involved in the lives of men. Um, and so this, uh, uh, this thing is your, is your faith, is what you believe this morning. Okay, you're, you're here this morning. You've chosen to be in the Lord's house. You've made, a, you've made a decision to be here. But let me ask you, is your faith a copy? Is it just an imitation of what somebody else has? Or is it done by the hand of God in your life? We're going to have to have originals if, uh, if we're going to be acceptable to God. Look, look, in, uh, uh, look in Hebrews chapter 12. Of course, our, our verse there talks about 
Jesus being authority and not as a scribe, so he was not as a copyist. He was the one who originated. Do you realize when Jesus opened the Scripture and read to them what was out of Isaiah, when He read uh, to them that the, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, when Jesus read that, it was the author of that that was reading that to the people. Isaiah was a transcriptionist. He had written it down in about 750 B.C. But the author of that passage was the very one that was giving it. He's the authority. He's the author. He's the originator of it. And so uh, what happens is we need, we need original in our, in our lives. Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, look there if you will, please. Uh, I'll try to join you. Hebrews chapter 12. And look if you will down to verse 2. Well, uh, yeah, let, let's just look in verse 2. It says, looking unto Jesus, look at the title that's given to him, the what? Author, Author and what? Finisher. Of our faith. And then it talks about who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so it tells us to look unto Jesus, uh, the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus spoke as one who had authority and not as a scribe. Jesus has to be the author of our faith. By the way, when Jesus is the author of our faith, our faith will in no way contradict the written Word of God. The living Word of God is never in disagreement with the written Word of God. This comes from Him. And because of that, a real faith that's biblical faith is not something you've made up or twisted or put together. It comes from the Scripture itself. And so this thing of being original instead of a copy, there's a lot of copies out there. But Christ is the original and the one who originates it. Um, I've had this thought with this when I was thinking through this. Even in an instance like Timothy, think about the passage that talked about Timothy. Um, Paul wrote to him and said, uh, the, when I observed the unfeigned faith that was in, he said it was, uh, it was in his grandmother Lois and it was in his mother and it's in him also. Even when he said that, it wasn't a copy. It wasn't Lois believed and Eunice copied Lois and Timothy copied Eunice. Look, look at the passage itself. Look, at, look in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Each one of them had an original. It was just passed on. Look at verse 5. Look at the language of this. You'll see it's not a copy at all. He said this statement, When I call to remembrance the un." Feigned faith. The word feigned means put on. It's idea of uh, it's the idea of putting on a mask or uh, putting on some kind of a cover, if you will. It's the idea of something being fake. He said, "Your faith, Timothy, was not something you just put on. Here's what Grandma believed, and here's what Mom believed. So I'm going to act the same way because." I love them enough and respect them enough. I just want to be like them. He said, no, you have unfeigned faith. You believe in the same living God that they believed in and you've trusted Him for yourself. Not saying, I'm just going to act like them. I'm going to behave like they think. I'll tell you one way you can tell when somebody's faith is unfeigned or not. Is when the person they respect in life passes away. Or especially if a person they respect in life as far as faith goes deviates from the faith. What they do at that point will tell you something about that person's faith. Because faith that's just a copy cannot stand up to the person they've copied being gone. But faith that's real 
faith that's real, that really belongs to somebody, it stands the test of trial and it holds up. And so he, he, he says there, look again at the verse in verse 5, when I call to remember the unfeigned faith that is in thee. Look at the little word. I have that circled in my Bible. If you mark your Bible, you might want to circle that. Look where the faith is. It's in Timothy. It's in Timothy. Which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. It dwelt in both of them. And I am persuaded that is in thee also. This was a faith that was in them. They, he didn't just put it on. That's the idea. It's not feigned. It isn't just put on. It's not just a copy. I remember with sadness uh, uh, when, when Brother House passed away, uh, an older preacher get a hold of me and just uh, almost physically collapsed and said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And I thought, what kind of question's that? You're heartbroken. You miss somebody. Someone's invested in life. Someone's been an encouragement, strength to you. Wonderful. What do you mean, what are we going to do? Bible didn't go away. Christ is no different. The reason why we got in this was because of the Lord Jesus Christ and not any person or group or following or anything like that. Why? What do you mean, what are we going to do? We're going to follow the Lord Christ. You've got to realize our faith needs not to be a copy. While we learn from others, the fact is at some point we have to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You can have a whole line in history of people who believe the Bible is the Word of God and they would be completely right. You, they, they could have taught you the Word of God and taught you the right way. I'm not saying you need to reinvent anything. I'm just saying that at some point it can't be a copy. It has to be inside of you. Um, it's interesting um, it, it dwelled in each of them. I, I put this down. It wasn't copied. It was the same faith, but it was authored each time. It's the same faith, but it was authored each time. But Jeff Nichols is my father in the Lord. He's one who actually, I was saved under his preaching. Of course, my cousin Barry, who was here for their reception and came and visited, was here. Some of you got to meet him who hadn't met him before. Uh, he was the first one to give me the gospel, clearly. And then uh, under the preaching of Brother Jeff Nichol, I got saved. He's my father in, in the Lord. He's one under who I was called to preach. I was baptized by him, called to preach under his ministry. It has had and does have influence on me. It has all these years. But as my father in the faith, what happened was, the faith that he had when he got saved, I had to have that same thing birthed in me. It couldn't be a copy. I couldn't have just decided, well, I'm going to have some mannerisms and I'm going to pick up the characteristics of my preacher and I'm going to try to do things he did. I had to have birthed in me. It couldn't be a copy. It had to be authored in me by the Spirit of God. I put this statement down. Timothy did not just copy their behavior. He accepted their Savior. Um... It's not the imitation of Christ that's having Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen to this. When we are soul winning, we often have people respond to a question about whether or not they know the Savior with something like this. Here you go. You all have heard it if you've done much in the way of witnessing and soul winning. My dad and or mom were strong believers and I was raised in church. You've heard that type of talk, haven't you? How about this? I grew up going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and even Wednesday. You ever catch the way people like say that? We even went Wednesday night. Like that's the ultimate step for a Christian being totally sold out to God. I mean, if you actually went to a midweek service, you're up there with the martyrs of all time. I mean, can you imagine? 
And then day and generation when churches don't even have sense enough to have Sunday evening services by and large, I'm going to tell you something. It must seem like a great step of faith to people to even have a Wednesday at night. And I even went on the midweek service. And we even showed up to revivals when they had them. I mean, we're talking sold out, talking about being beaten, your back beaten with Paul and being in the maritime prison, uh, almost that severe going to that many services. But they'll tell you that and they get kind of puffed up when they do it usually telling you how, how devout they've been. Or here's the other one. I was baptized. And you weren't asking them anything about that. You asked me about being saved. I was baptized. Here's the ultimate one, and it's overused. Um, it is. I make reference to it probably in an overused way, but I just keep running into it over and over again. It said, my grandpa, dad, uncle, or whatever was a preacher. And I just believe what they believe. Uh, when someone responds to you that way when you're out soul winning, you can be fairly confident, although not certainly because you can't know their heart for sure, but they're giving you a strong indication that you're dealing with a copy, right, right. not an original. Amen. That's why, I think in one we were, uh, uh, we're talking to, I think, I think Wes, you were with me that day, we were talking to a man and woman and her, her dad or his dad, one had, had been a preacher, and they hadn't been in church since dad died. Why is that? Because it's a copy. So that's judgmental. That's truth. If we really believed what Dad said he believed, and Dad stayed faithful according to that testimony, even through a severe illness and that right up to the end when he wasn't even strong enough to go, go to church, he basically crawled his way to church. If you really believed what that man said he believed, then you wouldn't quit going. It'd be a great, it would be a great, great... Tragedy. I'd feel my life had been wasted in so many ways in one particular area. If any family member of mine, if I were suddenly taken home to be with the Lord, if they ceased to serve the Lord and quit going to church, they would have missed entirely what I'm about and what I've tried to, what I've tried to, uh, what I've tried to do. Why? Not to be a copy. It's to be original. Forgive me for thumping this. I don't know what it's doing. It distracted me. That's why I don't let these things come up here. Um, but. It, it's got to be, it has to be a copy. <laughs> this is interesting. When someone uh, is needing an original, have you ever dealt with a legal situation and uh, you need to turn in certain documents and here's what they say. You ready for this? Kind of hit, you know where I'm going with that, don't you? It says that it has to be what type of document? The original. Copies are not accepted. Copies or facsimiles are not accepted, Right? It's got to be an original document. Can I tell you something? When it comes to going to heaven, when it comes to being with Christ forever, it's got to be original. Copies are not accepted. Are not accepted at all. Hmm. I put down uh, the statement with that. A copy may lead to reformation. It takes an original to bring about salvation. I don't preach a Reformation theology, and I'm not just talking about a type of theology that's identified with a certain time period of church history. I don't preach Reformation theology that, uh, that uh, what we're looking for is a Reformed life. What I preach is repentance towards God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I preach that uh, we need to acknowledge and accept and understand the fact that we're sinners and the fact we need the Savior. You know, um, Reformation changes and cleans up the outside. It may even make a person a better husband, a better wife, a, a better parent. I, I, I'm thankful, and, and for some of you on the far right wing of my right wingers, it may be a little annoying to you for me to say this, but I should annoy you once in a while as well as I do the liberals. But the, uh, 
Um, it is, there are some people that things like AA have done a lot of help for. I don't agree with the most of the tenets of the 12-step program, and I certainly don't agree with a higher power. You choose a higher power and call it what you want. I certainly don't believe with that. It's idolatry. But I do have sense enough to acknowledge there are some people who have stayed sober because of the program. And to that extent, I'm thankful for that. Because first of all, if that person's staying sober, they are no longer misusing and destroying their own life, misusing and destroying the lives of their families. And you know what? They have a whole lot better chance of hearing and accepting the truth once their brain's not totally in a fog all the time. So forgive me if I don't get on the extreme right wing right wing band right and say it does no good at all because sometimes it does good but it does good in the way of reformation and I'm glad for the reformation sometimes people will just look at how they've been and maybe they've been dishonest and maybe they've, they've not you know, been dependable or maybe they've been hurtful to people and they just look at it and they look at it and say what am I doing and they get sick of themselves with it and they change the behavior of what they're doing I am grateful for those steps of reformation but Each of us need more than reformation. We need salvation. If we really believe the Bible, what it says that all our righteousnesses, plural form of the word righteous, righteousnesses, all of them are as filthy rags. So why is that? Because compared to the complete holiness of God, we don't even have a comprehension level of that. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. When I was in high school, I read as much or more than anybody I was around in high school. I did well in my classes. I, I, in Little Bitty Prebushawnee High School, which was a double-way school, and that's not Alcoholics Anonymous, it was a rating in school. Um, they, uh, I, I did well. I took their different honors academically in that school, so that was great. You know, there, there were like six of us that constantly, we had different little competitions in school and stuff, and from... From elementary up, there were six of us uh, or so that were involved in Kevin, Kevin Kierkoff, uh, or uh, Kevin Kierkoff, Kevin Johnson. Uh, Kevin and I were always duking out to get the best or, or win these different little academic things we'd do. Uh, Chris didn't do so well. Uh, um, Nancy Hale, uh, she was tough to beat. Um, they had myself. Um, oh, what was that girl's name? That other black-haired girl sat over there. I don't know. Uh, Peppermint Patty, I don't know what her name was. Uh, but... <laughs> We would, we would have these different things they would do back then, and, and we would go, you know, and, and try to have the best grade, and, and, and it would be us, always there with that. And so, and I went to college, you know, I thought, well, I'm doing pretty good. I didn't realize I was in a minnow in a mud puddle about that big. One day I started making friendship and acquaintance with a fellow by the name of Mark Rasmussen. Brother Mark and I got to spend some time together. And I found out that man had parts in his transmission my car didn't come with. He, he would literally sit down on a Saturday with a stack of books about that height and read them all and be able to tell you what they were about. While he taught and he helped Brother Evans with his history classes at our college, he also oversaw the dining hall area which fed about 1,000 to 1,100 people a day oversaw he was over the uh, the cleaning too of the buildings he was over that he had people working under him with it and had 
huge number of different things as one of the assistants to the president. Plus, he taught with Evelyn Wood's re speed reading dynamics on the side and was one of their teachers with that. Uh, he also helped with the Institute in Youth Conflicts and, and developed a lot of the materials that were used by that group at the time. And he ran a couple of different businesses that he started up. And he worked occasionally, went down and cooked because he liked being a short order cook down at the, uh, it was the Christos Brothers, uh, Johnny Around the Clock down there. And he did all that, no problem. Six foot, about six foot six, blonde hair, good at racquetball. And he would just go from one thing to another. And I was, felt pretty good when I was back here in Rebel Shawnee. You know, with just us, small group of six that kept winning things. And then I got by somebody who was running in gears. And I'm going, huh, right. That's amazing. You know, preacher, what's your point? That's just another man. I'm sure probably Brother Mark's met people in his life who outstripped him so much that he felt the same way when he's around them. He said, did you feel dumb? No, I didn't. Honestly, I just felt I wasn't as smart as him. But there's a lot of distance between him and dumb. Um, <laughs> if we were talking about the righteousness of Christ and not just how we compare to other Christians or other people around us, Man, you can see why what we believe has to be authored by God. Is your faith real or is it just something you picked up from your family? Is your faith real or is it just something your church has always taught? What if those who you love and who are in front of you were suddenly not there? Where would your faith stand? God's looking for original, not copies. He wants you to believe in Him. Let me give you a word of caution here for a moment. Some, especially among the young and inexperienced, whether that be chronologically young or young in the Lord, but those who are inexperienced in such things, have heard this admonition given. Make Christ your own. Or maybe make sure your beliefs are indeed your beliefs and not just the beliefs of your parents and or pastor. Over the last few years, I've become very, very careful how I try to make that point. I've become extremely careful in my language with it because I realize I may have contributed partially to some people's troubles in time past. See what you mean, preacher? Well, here's what I mean. Here's what happens. Unfortunately, and perhaps as I said, we preachers are partially to blame for this, the admonition to have the original, not just a copy, which is what we're trying to say, has been distorted into something destructive. Rather than realizing that they need to make sure they have the faith once delivered to the saints, Sometimes people take it to think they must find out for themselves and more or less figure out their own belief system. They are inventing their own belief, really. And tragically, it leads to them setting aside the counsel of those who've walked before them and even those who are their fathers in the faith. Did you notice that Timothy's faith was the same faith that was in Lois? It was the same faith that was in Eunice? It wasn't a new faith. The faith is not rediscovered to generation and generation. Watch this now. I'm talking to you about something that will either strengthen you or destroy you in your belief. It's, it's vital. Uh, the different politicians get up and talk about this, uh, this virus. They say it's a matter of life and death. Let me tell you what. What I talk to you about on, this, on these days is a matter of life and death. Yes. And people thinking that each generation needs to rediscover God for themselves is a matter of death. You need to make it personal, but it doesn't change. There's not a new truth for 2020. It's no different than what was given. 
It's the same thing. It is the faith once delivered to the saints. Not, not multiple times. And what happens is, it leads to them sitting inside the council of faith of their fathers, and it, they, they set it aside. The end result, they set aside the council of those who walked before them, and then they get carried about by every wind of doctrine, by science falsely so-called, and are subject to the cunning devices of men who lie in wait to deceive. Say, what's the sign of this happening? I'll tell you what it is. Here, here a person comes along. They're either young in the faith or young chronologically. And they have a question. They read a passage. They don't understand it. Somebody asks them something and it kind of shakes them. They're wondering what's going on. Here's what they do. Now watch this. You watch this every bit. Everyone, you young people, look at me. They don't go ask a godly parent. They don't go ask their pastor who has devoted his life to studying the Word and teaching it. You know what they invariably do? They turn to their peers. Or somebody they don't even know on the internet. And they go to their, the people of their own level and say, what does this mean? Why are they bypassing the godly ones in front of them who could actually help them? I've had people work themselves into entire belief systems and then come to me about it after they're already messed up. Well, I got that. Where'd you get that? Well, I was talking so and so and we figured it out and I said, when you first had a question, right? And you come, we could have talked. I'd have showed you a scripture and then you could make a decision. I could guide you. I'm not making a decision for you, but I can guide you into something. And then you can look at that. Why, why, why was your pastor, who is not a beginner in the Bible, was never part of your system for figuring out what was going on? Why did you not even ask? It's because of reinventing or trying to reinvent. Sadly, a lot of times the persuasion comes from a slick-talking, persuasive friend who knows so much about the Bible, but yet always gives advice that God's not really worried. You can basically live however you want. And holiness is just being shallow. That's their word, shallow. It's just being shallow. If you actually believe something, you're shallow. If you think something might be right or something might be wrong, you're shallow. And so... That, that goes on. You say, what's going on with that, preacher? Well, look in 2 Peter. I'll show you exactly what's going on with this. Look in 2 Peter chapter 2. <laughs> when I was in Greek class in, in college, I just thought something funny, Brother Tim. You know how you, you'll have pastries, donuts, different things for your class in the morning? Shouldn't they serve baklava in Greek class? I just... Just a, just a thought there, or euros or something. Uh, they never gave us anything. Second Peter chapter two. You parse things is the name for it when you get into studying the language and you're you're checking the doing word studies and you're checking the root language. And I'm not a linguist by any means, but. When you're studying it in a couple of years I had of the, of the Greek class, you, you go in and you parse things. Now, I like to do word studies and the English words and check things out, and I'll go back through. In fact, on one of the podcasts we had this week, there, there was something I saw when I started going through that just was really helpful. It had to do with the salt. And I was being salt as I started studying that word and saw where it showed up. But the start parsing the word. Now, now watch this. And 
they'll break it all down and you structure it and you say, okay, here's this word and here's this root and here's where it all goes together. And someone pulls that one verse out and they break it down almost like you'll do a diagramming and sentence. In fact, it's basically the same thing. And, and they'll set it down and say, where else is this root used? And they'll learn some things from it. I'm not against that. You can learn some things from that. But here's the problem. They don't know how it all fits. They take that one verse and say, well, here's that one verse. But you're not taking it within the body. That takes years to learn. You don't learn that quickly. You, you don't just say, well, okay, it's how, you, you've got to learn what the whole, what's it say within context? That's how the Bible's taken to be given, or is given to be taken. <laughs> I can't even talk straight. Um, and yet people will be pulled aside. Why? Because they are trying not to be a copy, but instead of being going to the author, they're trying to write their own script. Second Peter is where I turned you. Look there. Did I tell you what verse? Did I tell you what two? That's a chapter. Did I tell you what the verse eighteen? Two verse eighteen. By the way, don't sound so surly. No. <laughs> Good night. Okay, I'll get there. Second Peter two verse eighteen. It says, "For when they speak great." Swelling words of vanity, or overwhelming with you know how slick they are with it. Sometimes it's the tonal thing they do. They allure, which means to attract, through the lust of the flesh. You understand one of the lusts of the flesh is it has to deal with the pride. It has to do with the appeal for look how smart I am. Look what I know that somebody else doesn't. Through much wantonness, they don't have a clean life. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. In other words, they pull back those who had gotten away from nonsense while they promise them liberty. That's what they always do. Liberty, freedom, freedom. They themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. If a doctrine is not according to godliness, a doctrine is not according to the Bible. That's the key element of all biblical doctrine. It tends to godliness. What kind of faith do you have? Is it a copy? Or did God author it in you? In other words, did God deal with you in your life? And you knew you needed Him. It, having a faith that is authored by God, a faith in Jesus Christ Himself, causes us to take His Word for what it says it causes us to have a simple childlike belief in Him. It causes us to, uh, to want to follow Christ and just simply follow Him. I got a, a text this morning from Brother Larry Smith. By the way, praying for the church here. Brother Manning, appreciate you. Uh, may God give you grace and wisdom in these days. And may God bless what's going on. And we've been in, we've been in contact. Um, Brother Smith's been in church and such. And he's trying to use great wisdom. He's got a lot of health problems. But serving the Lord still. And uh, not traveling right now. Some fellows who were traveling aren't traveling right now. <laughs> I was talking to Brother Gary Mann and where he was going to go preach next. I, I, I'm not sure if it was Florida where. He says, if I fly there, I have to quarantine for 14 days and I can't afford to stay somewhere two weeks. He said, it's crazy. And, and so anyway, it's, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's producing some interesting challenges to put them out of it. But Brother Smith... Uh, sent that text to me and I sent back and, and I said, appreciate that. I said, just trying to do what's 
right and be obedient to the Lord. And he said, yes, sir. He said, he said just listen to him. And uh, I said, Brother Smith, I said, I have to learn to shut off all other voices so I can hear his. And he said, yes, sir. That's, I always hear his voice. Yes, sir. Uh, you say, what's that about? That's about getting back to who the author is. I love this verse. We have a great song out of it. How about this? I know whom. Do you know what the next thing is? I have believed. Can you say that as a testimony? I have believed. I know who my man on Morse believed. I know who my pastor believed. But that's not it. That's all copy stuff. I know whom I have believed. I'll tell you who I believe. The exact one they believed on and the exact book they believed on. The faith once delivered to the saints. Not a new revised. Hey, hey, the gospel didn't start in 1964 when I was born. And it didn't start in 1980 when I accepted Christ. But I came to know the faith once delivered to the saints. That's why I may not abandon it and I may not alter it. I believe when the apostle said I kept the faith, he was saying two things. He said I didn't abandon it. I didn't walk away from it. And he said I didn't alter it. He said I didn't change it. I kept the faith, passed on exactly what was given to me. Why? Because that's God's way. What do you have this morning? Is it a copy? Or is it original? Just like in legal situations. No copies. Must be a what? Original document. When you get to heaven, I'm going to tell you what. We'll get there because we've got an original, not a copy. Let's pray together. All right, Father, thank You so much for Your words. I pray You'll bless the people. Made this morning, you show in the hearts of those who have listened whether or not they are a child of God. You're the only one who can show us that for sure. I can't tell anybody here their condition. But Lord, they know before you. They know if they trust you today, regardless of what they said or what the words were, if they said this or if they said that, if they meant this or if they meant that. What do they believe today? Do they believe on you? And God, I pray that you help them to live as people who are uh, people who you've authored the faith in their life. Lord, not as copies, I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together, please, if you would. Why don't you come ahead? Don't wait for the first note of music. Why don't you come ahead this morning? Is it real with you? Do you want to be real? Do you want to walk with God?